gentlemen, pips in between. Welcome on, welcome on to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza. It is me, your self-proclaimed comic relief of a host, Daniel Finton, back um, on the second day of a hangover. It's my first ever two-day hangover of my life. Um, so I, you all knew I was old, but now I'm like proper old man. Um, this is not a great feeling, folks. Try not to age, and you can just drink uh, however much you want. And also, don't mix um, hard seltzers and whiskey. Bad, bad, bad idea. Um, I, I, I figured I'm just going to drink a bunch of the most manly drink you could drink, and then a bunch of the most girly drink you could drink to see how it mixes. And it doesn't mix well, so uh, do, don't, don't do that. But folks, um, enough about me. No one cares. We're going to talk about the emphatic win away from home to Bournemouth. 4-0 away from home, clean sheet, just uh, just doesn't get much better. And then when we talk about some of the uh, key details from the day, you'll just see how great it was if, if you didn't watch the game. Just kidding, of course you watched the game, man. We're all freaks. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to introduce the two dudes doing the pod with me today. It's a three-man show, a trifecta, if you will. Uh, firstly, the superstar, the man himself. The lovely London local lad, Alfie Kosha in the cut. Alfie, que pasa, hombre? What are you saying, lads? Yeah, yeah, I'm decent, I'm decent. Um, glad to be back on the on the main show. It's been a while, been on the Extra Cannon podcast, but not the main show for a while. Um, and yeah, that light behind you is blinding, Danny. Just going to say it. <laughs> uh, completely irrelevant to the, to the audio listeners, which is everyone. Um, that's listening right now and hearing what I'm saying, but yeah, it's absolutely. It's to blinding. indicate how bright the future of Kai Havertz is at Arsenal Football Club. Fair play. What are you saying, Danny? Not much. Just the intro. Thank you, Alfie. Um, yeah, sorry uh, about that. It does kind of look like I'm, I'm about to be absorbed into the high heavens. Um, which at the moment, with my current uh, physical state, I I think I'd be okay with. Um, I imagine there's not many hangovers going on in heaven you could probably just drink all like the wine you want and you're good call it a day um then of course the heartthrob if you will um rob bob Bert, birth of the man that i still like to call kai how we doing brother i am uh very well thank you danny despite some uh technical difficulties to start the episode with um you know, for the, for those who just tune into the main show, um, you're probably pretty bored of these technical difficulties after what happened last week. Uh, but hopefully, we get beyond six minutes and fifteen seconds today. That 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 is our plan, anyway. Um, but as I said before, I was uh, cut off by my my poor mic. Um, after I feel as I usually do after a trip to uh, trip to Bournemouth, uh, the vibes are always pretty immaculate there these days. The away fans are pretty happy uh and yeah i feel just about as good as that lady who was uh in the front row um when uh when the the kai Havertz chart was chart was sort of popping off a very good day at the office for arsenal i was very wholesome i loved watching her dance with the little little dude on uh on his dad's shoulders that was straight up wholesome content for you um yeah, I mean, it's it, even when I went to London a couple years ago, we played Bournemouth and we just smacked them like 5-1. And obviously for me, that's one of the most memorable, uh, my most memorable moments as an Arsenal supporter. So yeah, we really do just tend to have uh, 
a good bit of luck against them and, and we really show off our quality. Then one that always... It's definitely not luck. Or not luck, I should say. Yeah, uh, just just we're better than them, frankly. And, and I think that they sort of seem like a team that's like, a, they're designed for us. You know what I mean? Like we really struggle with those sides that um, maybe sit back in a really low block and, and it'll be like a slower, more difficult game. But I just, these teams like Bournemouth that come against Arsenal and play expansive football, I really just, I said this exact same thing after the PSV game, which this match was so weirdly similar to. I really don't understand why any teams come up against Arsenal that open. I think it's just suicide, honestly. Um, But hey, I like it. So so keep them coming, please. It's way less stressful when they they do play like that. But do do you remember that one a couple years ago? Lucas Perez <laughs> scored a banger in it, and it was like three. Oh, the three-three, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Alexis was fuming because we didn't try and go and get a fourth. Yeah. <laughs> Drew was doing his. Stu- it was just after Giroud had scored his scorpion kick, and he did that oh. celebration. And Alexis was just fuming. Yeah, I, I do think Alexis could have was was a bit insufferable sometimes, but. I yeah, I tend to agree with him there. How Giroud kept doing the stupid little back kick thing. I just wanted to punch him in the face when he's doing that because I wanted to win against again Bournemouth of all teams. You always want to get a get a win and nothing less against them. Alfie, we did so over the weekend, and you've heard the show a lot, and you've done it uh, once or twice. The new format, which is fucking sick, I may just say. Um, so I'm going to come to you first with good stuff. Give me some good stuff. You're a bit of a nerd. You know all the weird underlying metric shit. So is there any uh, any good stuff that maybe maybe me, Rob, Mac, or any of the listeners might have missed from this emphatic victory? So I'll, I'll do a few good stuff. I have, first of all, pertaining to your uh, nerd claim right there, I did a little TikTok shout. Go follow We Love You Arsenal on TikTok. Uh, it got copyright claimed, so you can't watch that specific one now. <laughs> but uh, you can still watch it on my Instagram. Yeah, it's still on Instagram, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and that good stuff was around the good metrics. Like, we've spoken about how our attack hasn't really clicked uh, yet this season. But in this game, you know, it was pretty positive. I think it was we had 15 shots. We had 2.5 XG, and that's excluding the penalties. Um, so with the penalties, we're looking at, like, close to four. Um, so, I mean, that's a good thing. And also, Odegaard had really good data from this game. He he didn't take... He, well, he had one shot, which was the penalty. And I know Rob's spoken about how sort of eager he is to shoot. And it does feel like he's been shooting too much on and to the detriment of potentially playing a better pass um, into someone in a better position at times. In this game, I think it was really different. I think he was dropping deeper to get on the ball more, helping us progress the ball. But also in the final third, seven shot creating actions. Um, 0.3 expected assists and three key passes. Like he was really creative in this game. Um, so all of that stuff was good. Uh, and the fact that we limited Bournemouth, it was another game where we limited the opposition to very few chances. Um, I can't think of anything clear cut they had and the data reflected that. So that's all good. Uh, and that's stuff you want to see, um, for sort of sustainability. Um, However, I'm going to focus more on some intangible stuff, the less nerdy stuff. Partially because I do think there were... I, I don't know if I was as high on the performance as some people were. I think there were some 
elements I didn't like about the game, which I'll get into potentially with canon concerns. But I really like the intangible stuff today. I mean, the reception that Kai Havertz got when he scored that goal, the the team spirit and the human side of it, which Emeka Arteta was talking about after the game. And also, just as Rob was alluding to with the Bournemouth away trips, it always brings out the good vibes. The crowd is unbelievable at this game. And I saw Tim Stillman speaking about it. Because it's such a small allocation, chance can travel quickly um, and you can create new chance. I mean, the Havertz one I'd seen mooted a couple times on social media previously. Um, I think I saw it before the Community Shield in like a little video, but it hasn't really been sung in the stadium yet. So it was really good that he got his own chant. And I think everyone had their own rendition and that sort of, there's been like, it's been very tense, very emotional, not just the, the, the fans, but the players as well. You can feel it in every game. And the fact that Man City lost this game will show that they're, they're not, you know, absolutely untouchable. They can be breached. And the fact that we won this game convincingly and there was such a good feeling in the away fan base, it, it, it was it was just good from that sort of intangible soft factor side. So that would be my main good stuff. No, that's great. I, I, I fully agree with everything you just said. And I love when we do the segment and there's like five things you can list just off the dome. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good thing because, uh, you know, after the North London Derby spirits were, were pretty low. Um, and maybe we were kind of actually struggling a bit to find, find some good stuff. But today, Rob, it's just so obvious because you just, and now I'm personally in a state where I'm like, I don't want to just sit here for 45 minutes and list all the good stuff. I'm trying to think of like the best possible things, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it felt sort of like a festival kind of atmosphere. You know, the stress was so, so, so low. And we've been saying recently, this is a team that looks like they play thinking about Manchester city. And in this game, I don't think that was the case at all. In this game, I think it was, this is a pretty crap team. Let's get Kai Havertz off the mark. Let's pump in a bunch of goals and and let's just, you know, enjoy a nice sunny day in the South. Um, I think it helps that we got an early goal and then yeah. we got the second goal before half time and it, we just went into cruise control. Because as I said, apart from the PSV game, we haven't had a game like that in this, this season in the Prem. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like Arteta's ideal game state. Score early, control maybe bag a couple more along the way, call it a day. Um, Rob, but yeah, what, what kind of good stuff you got for me, my friend? Yeah, well, I think probably what what was the best stuff of the weekend isn't actually what happened at uh, the Vitality, but what happened elsewhere put us, put us really right back into, into the title race, I suppose. Um, not only Manchester City losing at Wolves, which is, which is always great because I think every season Arsenal fans have this slight fear at the back of their minds that City might take that Invincibles sort of title away from us and, and claim it, but they've it's lost never very... It's never no, going to happen. They, they were very, very poor. Um, and I think that it's looking promising for next week. Uh, I like the fact that Pep didn't just go straight to Calvin Phillips and he tried to overthink it and put Kovacic back there. And then another result, uh, Spurs winning. I know that we uh, never like to see them winning, uh, but I think in the long term, it's it's the better result for us. Uh, that They're not a title contender 
quality side, uh, whereas Liverpool very much are. Liverpool look really, really good again this season. Um, so I think it, it it was really good what, what happened elsewhere and United losing again was hilarious. Um, but as for, for what happened at the Vitality, I think I'll just sort of double down on, on what you guys were saying about scoring early, getting a goal. Um, firstly, a, a, a really really sort of well-worked goal, uh, sort of what Alfie was alluding to with Erdegaard playing a bit differently in this game. He collected the ball a bit deeper, chose to swing it in rather than have a shot on goal, which, you know, maybe he, he might have done a few weeks ago. Maybe he has a shot from that area. Um, that was sort of, you know, that ball from Erdegaard to the back stick, that that was really sort of his trademark when he, when he first joined the club. I remember a goal away at um, Crystal Palace in his loan spell at the club. Um, and it was was a very 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 similar ball to, towards that area. Um, so it's good that um, he's maybe recognised that there's some some little things that that need altering. Um, I liked him dropping really nice and deep as well. I think we can probably do that a bit more often now. Drop him deeper just because in front of him he, he will always have four very potent attackers. Whereas if he if he did that we we would have uh, last season we would have had to rely a lot on Shaka to sort of score whereas with um you know whoever's playing on the on the left whether that's Martinelli or Trossard and then Havertz Jesus and Saka in front of him I think it's fine for him to drop deep but I just think you know getting those goals early being able to play in first gear for the entirety of the second half when we know this is a injury played squad at the moment we know there would have been players out there at the weekend playing through pain I think it's just very good that we were able to take things very easy and I think uh, yeah that that was the sort of the the important thing for me and yeah so a mixture of what happened elsewhere and the fact that we were just able to really take this one easy ahead of a a huge huge week I think Danny you said it in the chat like it was sort of encouragingly boring parts of the second half like the, the fact we were in the position where we could just be playing second gear, gear and cruise control. Um, and the fact that we played, I think, for the whole game pretty much in second gear and won the game 4 0 with 2.5 XG and only considered 0.5 is like very encouraging. Without a doubt. I think if we were at our full flowing best, we probably would have put in at least seven. Honestly, like we, I mean, I'm serious. That's not even being hyperbolic. Like they looked just nowhere near able to contain us we just absolutely played them off the park and i find it i find it like sort of amusing almost how good away from home we are now like uh we we spoke about that 3-3 draw against bournemouth all those years ago and do you remember how bad our away record was back then we would literally never win games away from home and now it's almost like we feel more confident when we're away from home it's like those those shackles come off yeah, I think then it was always a question of how mentally fragile is this side? Whereas now, I wouldn't consider them mentally fragile. I think they're just overly emotional. We've we've said that hundreds of times, it feels like. And I think, yeah, at home, the atmosphere kind of just un- gets under their skin. The North London forever. Like every game feels like a total spectacle. And I think it may be, yeah, these are young guys that really care a lot about the club. And it just probably gets extremely nerve-wracking. Rob, you made a great point, I thought, a few weeks ago about um, Kai Havertz ahead of, I think it was ahead of the away game against Everton. And and you had pretty high hopes for Havertz going into that one because you were like, 
maybe there's not as much of a pressure to score on him, actually, because it's kind of a gloomy away day instead of a sunny day at the Emirates. So maybe at those sunny days at the Emirates, these these players feel like, okay, we really got to show out now in front of our home crowd, whereas, a home, whereas away, I should say, rather. Everything just seems a lot more simple. And I think, personally, um, a guy who, 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 who really showed that simplicity more than anyone on the pitch, first part of my good stuff, David Raya. I thought he was sharp on the day because I just thought every single time he got the ball, and I'm sorry, I know we love Ramsdale here, but when Ramsdale has the ball, I don't feel the calmness that I do when Raya has it. He really just, if I'm being honest, he makes the game back there more boring because you feel like, okay, well, yeah, no, he's going to find the pass out. It's not even, I have no doubt. Like he just gets the ball. He keeps things calm. He grabs it. He does that little tiny roll thing. That's like one of his main traits that he does all the time. And it's just like, he doesn't seem like an overly emotional guy like a lot of the other players in this team. He seems just sort of like a machine. Okay, get the ball, find the pass, easy as you does it, make it nice and simple. So I love that about Raya. He's one of my main good things from this one. I do still hope, however, that Ramsdale gets his Champions League um, appearance in the middle of the week. We'll see what happens there. Um, and then my other good thing, I guess, has to really just be probably the most obvious one for me. It's Kai Havertz scoring his first goal for Arsenal. And Alfie has something to say. What's up, my friend? No, I'll, I'll jump. Well, let me just go on in the Raya thing uh, before the Havertz. Uh, I think we all spoke. Oh, it's still doing this hand gesture thing. There we go. <laughs> I think we all sort of didn't like Raya's performance on the ball against Spurs. I feel like we were all saying that. And part of that um, was they pressed him very high. They particularly pressed him on his on his stronger right foot um, and forced him onto his weaker left foot and his clips out to the fullbacks and stuff weren't as good. Um, and I was listening to the instant reaction, Arsenal Vision, and Clive made a really good point about something that we've also been talking about is how he sort of drops in and becomes like a, another centre-back. In this game, he was dropping deeper. So we, Bournemouth... You know, they, he was he was coming out because of the way that Spurs pressed him. Um, and it's like, are Bournemouth going to really come and press him when he's basically in his own goal mouth? Um, and if they are, then we can play around them very quickly and then they've got to sprint back an extra 10 yards or so. Um, so they just basically didn't bother. And Raya was in his own goal mouth picking out these passes. There was one beautiful one into Zinchenko and... You know, they're a high-pressing team, but they didn't even bother pressing our goalkeeper because he's that good with his feet and, you know, the the, the space that would have they would have lost. Um, and I think that's mostly where we created our chances when they did press us um, and then Raya had a bit of extra space and their press was sort of disjointed in that aspect and then we were able to play through them. So I think, you know, would Ramsdale be capable of that exact performance, which was pivotal to the way we broke through this Bournemouth team? I don't know. So I think... We could be looking at someone who's kind of transformational in this aspect. Yeah, that was a that was a fantastic pass about five minutes in, um, which it, it was just a through ball into the middle of the park, and you see is that the Zin- one for Zinchenko? Yeah, Zinchenko and just white was offside. Yeah, and yeah. then we we're we're down the other end in a flash, and I heaped praise on Ramsdale after the Brentford display. I thought his distribution was outstanding. Um, but, but this is when you start to think about uh, what what these two guys specialize in, and um, that that through ball. I don't think I've ever quite seen Ramsdale 
play that part. And um, that's that's not really a criticism of Aaron Ramsdale. It's just what what we've spoken about since Rice come into the team. It was not necessarily an area of weakness, but it could be upgraded. So you have to be absolutely like ruthless. When Ramsdale first came in, he was doing that all the time. I don't know. I, I think I, I think that he more so plays very drilled passes in into into people's feet. Uh, I, I, I oh god, I don't know. I have to my voice there. Um, I remember that uh, one against um, the game against Villa when his distribution was outstanding, and then he sort of played a nice through ball to Tommy Asu. I remember that when he sort of played out right, um, but. I think overall, like my best sort of Ramsdale memories in terms of him uh, playing effectively sort of along the ground are drilled passes through the middle. Yeah, I feel like Raya, if, if you could kind of sum him up in one word uh, compared to, to Ramsdale, would, I just feel like he's more like saucy almost. You know what I mean? Like it seems so much more like fluid and aesthetically pleasing. Oh, it comes, it, and it, and this is just a perfect characterization of, of modern football because Ramsdale is such a technical goalkeeper, but it it just looks so natural to Raya, and it, in a way that it yes. doesn't for Ramsdale. It, but which is funny because when he, Ramsdale first came in, it looks so natural for him in comparison to Leno. It's funny that there's this is another how, how sort quickly of level. the the, uh, the game is progressing, like. Like when when Leno came in for Czech, we thought, "Oh my God, this is a great ball playing goalkeeper. He can actually do what Emery wants him to do." And then, it, like a year or two later, we're like, "This is not good enough. Like we need to upgrade." And then Ramsdale oh, comes oh, in, and he's he unbelievable. Only, uh, yeah. And he then R- sure Raya comes in, and it's uh, yeah, it's another level. So yeah, uh, yeah, man. I mean, and and that's look. I think I think we could struggle with this a little bit as Arsenal fans because. Uh, it was Rob making the point um, a, a couple episodes ago where he said Arsene Wenger would just never have done this to to Aaron Ramsdale if he was in the position. or And he's he never did it to any player, really. But look, the fact of the matter is, if you want to win stuff, if you want to be the best team, you have to be ruthless. And yes, maybe Ramsdale wasn't exactly a weak point per se, but I think we all definitely could agree, especially in the latter part of last season, that it was actually an area that probably could be improved upon a bit. And yeah, yeah was think- it was it um, Mac that referenced Henri the other week and said Henri said that Ramsdale was the keeper to get us back into the top four, but Rye is the one that can take us to the yeah, level of winning the prem. Uh, and I, th- yeah. I think that's probably pretty pretty true. You know, as as brutal as it seems on Ramsdale. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't have time for the people that say Arsenal can't win the Premier League with with Ramsdale between the sixes. I think that's harsh. However, I do. I think- mean, we might might well have done it if other exactly. things had gone our way yeah. last season exactly. um, but, with Ramsdale and goal. But you know, you'd like obviously we don't know yet, but you'd like to think in crunch time when the pressure's really high and things get really, really, really nervy at the September of this season, so to speak you'd like to have Raya between the sticks instead because he is just far less emotional and way more just get the job done. Don't really worry about the theatrics of it all, whatever. Anyway, Kai Havertz. Um, look, I was watching the stream um, on on Twitter at first because uh, Peacock over here in the United States is really jacking up everything that I know you guys, I feel like I can't even complain because you guys can't even watch the game. When well, I heard about that and I feel like you can complain because we were, we were 
using like dodgy streams, whereas you yeah. had a paid for streaming service, which was. Uh, I did few. not use a dodgy stream. I flew to America to watch the gaming. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, maybe one day when this pod actually grows and people learn how to leave reviews, um, we'll have a, a VPN sponsorship. So then you guys won't even have to worry about any of that shit. Um, and you could just tune in and listen to our generally pretty garbage surf shop. Yeah, you know, you could you could actually watch. Maybe you could watch a, uh, I don't know, a, a Mexican stream of it, or you could watch a Brazilian stream of it, or 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 an Arabic one. You know, it could be really really interesting. But yeah, folks, I mean, you're not leaving reviews, so I guess that sponsorship deal will just never happen, and it's your fault um, because our show is. We could get perfect. you four percent off Surfshock. Seriously, so. this is you're hurting yourself by not leaving a yeah. review, folks. Um, it was know, Surfshock. You know who I wish I could leave a, a positive review on, though, is Martin Odegaard for handing that ball to Kai Havertz. Um, and and I just saw something, guys. I don't know if you noticed it because I haven't really heard anybody reference it yet. Maybe maybe someone has, um, and I just totally missed it. It is possible. There's a lot of Arsenal content out there these days. There was a moment leading up to the penalty where I saw Kai Havertz do something that I don't usually see him do, and it was him asking for the ball in a shooting position. And then all of a sudden, we got the penalty. Uh, Martin Odegaard hacked down in what was maybe the most obvious obvious penalty of the entire season. And then he was given the ball to slot home for his first Arsenal goal. And I felt like just in that two-minute sort of saga of Havertz asking for the ball um, when, when it was still in play and then him knocking home the penalty, I felt a shift. I don't know what it was, but it just seemed like a lot of his anxiety maybe just relaxed a bit and he was like oh you know what man i'm i'm good at football i can like score goals i can get assists i can have goal contributions along with the other positive sides of the game that i'm doing which are you know the the sort of areas we were worried about regarding kai havertz and alfie it really just seemed like it, it was just a perfect sort of uh scenario because i mean i got goosebumps when he was given the ball and the arsenal fans cheered I just love to hear us audibly behind this guy who has been struggling in the goal scoring department since he's come in. Um, and then just the celebrations. I mean, the dude actually looked kind of emotional after putting the ball into the back of the net. I mean, look, as we've said a million times on the show since we've, since we've signed him, because <laughs> Bert made the point in the last extra get podcast that we have a weekly, uh, a bi week, uh, two times a week, uh, we chat about Kai Havertz basically every single show. And um, look, he's been doing the off the ball stuff really well, but you could tell this guy really cares about goals and he's finally got one. Yeah, I'm going to reference Arsenal Vision again because a few weeks ago, I think it might have been Patreon pod, uh, one of their listeners asked a question or basically stated about this baseball player. I think it was a baseball player who played for a Philadelphia baseball team. Uh, I don't know if you can give us any more information, Daniel. But apparently, he was in dreadful form. He was clearly suffering from confidence. I think he just made a move to the Philadelphia team. And apparently, Philadelphia don't have the most uh, forgiving fan base. Um, what I can add to this is that Philadelphians are known as the worst fans in the United States, and they love the word boo. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you know the player I'm talking about. They're, they're the Everton of... Uh... America, 
<laughs> they're just pretty awful people all around um i could say like my mom's from pennsylvania and uh no i know nothing about baseball because it is the most boring st- uh, sport ever created fair enough well apparently this guy was going through a very rough patch and instead of booing him the philadelphia fans came out and they were there was an overwhelming support for him like cheering him when he came on to bat or whatever i don't know how baseball works properly i'm assuming it is, it is batting isn't it uh, <laughs> that is what and they then, use to hit the ball yes yeah well i don't know if they call it something else um i've been to a baseball game anyway uh he came on and apparently they gave him loads of love and now he's in he's, he's in like the greatest run of form in his career and he's been exceptional and they said we need to try and do the same with kai havertz and i think i mean i've seen some bullshit from like various um pundits saying that we've been booing him which is absolute nonsense i've been to home games this season there's been like there's been a real push to get behind this player we really want him to succeed and i think soft factors really do come into it clearly here the fact that he's clearly been suffering for confidence and the the lift that this could give him like hopefully this changes it like the way he feels when he gets on the ball, it relieves some of that anxiety, that pressure, as he was saying. I don't think this performance was particularly different to some of the stuff we've been seeing. Like, I think he was kind of muted on the ball, quite um, conservative, uh, but he was keeping it ticking along, but not, you know, expressing himself in possession, but he was doing all the great off the ball work that we've been talking about. Um, And that kind of feeds into another good stuff thing that I, I wanted to mention. John McKenzie of uh, Tifo Football, one of the great tacticos, if you will, um, who really knows what he's talking about. I don't know if you've seen the in real life Tifo IRL uh, content, but it's really good. He studies the game properly. And I saw him tweet the other week, I think Arsenal are the best off-the-ball team in the world right now. And I trust him. And I kind of can see where he's coming from. Um, I think our structure, the way we retain the ball, the way we regain the ball, sorry, after losing it, the chances we're conceding are very few, but when we do, it tends to be a a bad individual mistake rather than a structural issue. And I think a large part of that is the change from Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka to Kai Havertz and Declan Rice. And I said it in the, the TikTok video I did, the defensive output in the very surface level reflects that they both made four tackles in this game, um, which is not something Granit Xhaka and Partey were doing very much last season. I do think we've lost something in possession. I think Thomas Partey's punched disguised balls um, between the lines are brilliant. And I don't think Declan Rice quite has that, although I do think he's been good on the ball. Um, obviously, Granit Xhaka in terms of ball progression is superior to Kai Havertz, but... All the off-the-ball work, the winning the second balls, winning the duels, the tigerishness of both of them, it really helps. And Iriola was speaking about it in his press conference. He was saying how that midfield really helps us to control games and win the ball back. And yes, it's maybe not clicking and functioning entirely in the final third, but I think we look so much more secure. And I think in the long run, that is really going to help us, particularly when we get to the business end of the season. Um, and when you know players come into form and some of the new attacking pieces do pick up a little bit, we're going to be really, really good. So, yeah. yeah. 
No, well encouraged. said. Uh, I, I mean, I think, again, to reference uh, the Arsenal Vision podcast, it was Elliot saying that um, we're, we're starting to have more players, it seems like, with superpowers, so to speak. And Kai Havertz is really just showing me every single game that winning 50-50s is his superpower. He is, as, as, FIFA, as FIFA dorks would say, he is so op in duels, man. I mean, it seems like literally every time he goes in for a duel, he wins the ball. I don't know if it's his height maybe that comes into it or just that he's deceptively quick with his feet. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but he's just so good. at. And I, I really do buy into the narrative that if Granite Shaka was producing the performances Kai Havertz was producing, the feeling around Granite Shaka would be very, like, they'd be saying he's been good because of the perceptions we have of them as players. You think of Kai Havertz because he's been a false nine at Chelsea as someone who's going to give you goals, assists, real, provide real value in the final third. He hasn't done that at all, but he's been doing a lot of the defensive work. I think he's much better than Granite Shaka in a lot of those things. And that's just how we look at them as players. And the thing is, I get it because you could say you could have got a player who does all that stuff for a lot less than 65 million. And I do agree with that. And I do think we need to see more from Kai Havertz in the final third. But I think he's he's changed and improved us tremendously in the defensive aspect of the game, which is just not what we expected when we signed him, which is why the perception of him hasn't been good yet. But yeah, for 65 million, you do want to see more in the final third. Yeah, that's, that's that one thing again, where you don't want to have to squint to see the player. I mean, that's, that is just such the most, that, that is such an accurate way of, of looking at the situation. Rob, I mean, honestly, going into it, I'm more of an emotional fan, as everyone knows. Um, I was kind of saying, I think it's a bit harsh on on Fabio Vieira that that he wasn't starting in this one. But now in retrospect, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, this was, at the end of the day, all due respect to Bournemouth, going to be one of our easiest games in the Premier League this season. And if you want to get a guy like Kai Havertz off the mark, or if you just even want to get him a positive performance that helps him in the long run at the new club, at his new club, you kind of got to play him in this game. You know what I mean? It's it's like, it's I don't want it to be like make a wishy sort of thing or anything like that, but it's really like, no, this is a game where he has a really good chance of scoring and he's just kind of just got to be on the pitch for it, right? Yeah, I mean, the the confidence situation is, is just so, so delicate. I mean, I think... You know he hasn't he hasn't started the last two in in the league now. I think that if he doesn't start again in the league, uh, you don't know how his confidence might be influenced by that. Uh, it's a difficult one when when a player is, is struggling this much. You don't know whether you know keeping him out of the team for a prolonged period c- could really really badly influence him. So I think it was a game that he sort of had to start uh, despite playing against Brentford as well. Um, I thought, yeah, I, I thought he might have started up front uh, in this match. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that against uh, Manchester City next week. Um, again, I think Eddie Eddie was better, and I'm I'm guessing we might talk a bit about Eddie later. But but still, I think Alfie made the made the point in the group chat that Eddie hasn't really done anything to warrant this this consistent uh, run of starts um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange one, but 
Um, yeah, I th- you know, Vieira's been good. Uh, Arteta spoke in his presser about maybe a, a slight injury problem there. So maybe he was just being protected a little bit on this one. He did come on a bit later. Uh, but yeah, it, it was the sort of game that Havertz had to play. It was the sort of game that, that you knew he might might get a few chances here and there. But I think just on the penalty and the, the intangibles of, of what that meant, it, it was a very, very special moment and and we talk a lot about the emotion and how we 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 have to dial dial that down i think it's easy to forget that's what makes arsenal arsenal instead of manchester city as well we have this this unique bond between players and fans and little moments like this i mean obviously um like havertz has, has got a lot of the praise for slotting the penalty away but well done to Martin Odegaard for doing it. He's been the one getting the, the praise for it. Um, and then these players, they they just seem to get it, don't they? Um, they understand how to approach the fans. They they understand uh, how important it can be for players to get the love they deserve. We saw it after the Brentford game. Um, Odegaard was pushing Elneny and uh, Sago Jr. towards the fans to get the applause that they deserved for their respective return from injury and debut. It's all just, it's going pretty nicely at the moment. And it's it's a very, it's in, in a period of uh, sort of the football timeline where all the sort of, human stuff is getting sucked out of it it's nice that we support a club where our captain especially clearly has a very human relationship with with the fan base just on the uh the eddie starting again thing i think we were all quite frustrated before the game i do think it may have been quite injury driven the fact that jesus and trossard are out and everyone was saying nelson would have started and that's what i wanted but i do think I mean, Arteta made it quite clear that Reese Nelson isn't ready to play two games in three or four days or whatever. And maybe he wanted to keep him for this Lawns game. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think, uh, I think Reese has to start against Lawns. I mean, it's Mac made the point in the last extra kind of podcast we recorded. I've, I've really struggled to see a bad game from Reese Nelson. You know, when you look back at all of his appearances, whether off the bench or from the start, he's just always quite good. And I don't feel that same way about Eddie, to be honest. I think, again, you know, um, he worked hard. He he went about, you know, his, his game well because he just presses and, you know, always fights for every ball. But I just, again, I've said it before and I'm sure I'll say it again about Eddie. At this, at Arsenal at the moment, that is not enough. You have to be hardworking and good. You know what I mean? I, I'm sorry. It's not... We're not the the industrious um, hit and hope side anymore. Like, no, we're a good team. And Gabriel Jesus, yeah, I, f- I feel like he doesn't work hard enough at times. Think so? I, d- I don't I, know. I, feel like, I, I do don't think know. he did in this game. Um, and I try and be fair to Eddie because I clearly I I don't rate a lot of his performances. I feel like there were loads of people praising him in this game and I just didn't feel it when I was watching it. And I know he did well to win the penalty. Um, it was good interplay. I want him f- to facilitate play rather than be so obsessed with his ability to get goals. That's what I want from him. Gabriel Jesus does it. And I feel like his whole game is built around him getting in the positions and he looks so frustrated when he doesn't score even when the team's winning. Um, 
And I think it's, yeah, it's about his ability rather than peeling off and providing an option or making a run to draw a player out um, to, to create space elsewhere rather than just trying to get into the positions himself to score and, and being very individualistic in his play. Um, but yeah, I felt in the Spurs game, he didn't work hard enough. And I think felt the whole team was trying to press and he was sort of a stumbling block in that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like he is really enthusiastic and energetic when he gets on the ball. But then I feel like some of his off the ball work, he's not working hard enough personally. But I don't know. I just, I feel like his performance, I'm, I'm trying to see it. And maybe I'll have to re-watch it to really understand why people were really high on this Eddie performance. But I just didn't feel it when I was watching it. Yeah, I just, and I, yeah. yeah. If, no, if, I may, if I may continue. Um, I, I, I think I would be inclined to agree. He had that chance early on where he opened up the space so well for himself. But then I think character, characterising his selfishness to an extent, he just carries on driving across the box. And it's as if he wants... When I watch Eddie, I sometimes just feel like he always wants to score worldies, and like that—that's—that's that's not what he sort of grew up doing. He—he uh, he was this poacher of a striker, and now we see him having pot shots from that. This is probably a guy who's pretty low on confidence, to be fair, as, as well. Like he hasn't scored a, a goal, let, a goal um, in the league for a little while now, uh, since Fulham, I think. So probably a bit of a, a confidence issue there, but. Yeah, I just feel like he's trying too much. But I did see an interesting point on Twitter earlier in the week about this sort of postulating the idea that we're we're playing Eddie up top because we're we're getting ready for a, a different profile of striker to come into the team, uh, sort of akin to that experimentation we did at the start of the season with with Thomas Partey at right back. Um, now we're now we're seeing uh, an experimentation of Jesus on the wing uh, and a, a different profile of striker up there. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just hope it doesn't hold us back. And if we're winning four 0 it's not. He's just uh, he's a frustrating footballer to watch, and I, I don't. I think we're just too far along the line now for, for that to change. And it's it's frustrating that Arteta just keeps playing him when when other players are getting dropped for performances which are equally as bad if not a little bit better yeah well that's that's a thing that i was going to reference is like you know we're we're talking about reese nelson a lot but i thought even emile smith rowe came on in this game and looked really positive and just what i what we all love about emile smith rowe is that he's so simple and the way he does things he's like oh no i'm going to drive in and i'm going to shoot and it'll most likely be an effort on target. Um, whereas Eddie, it just, it seems overcomplicated, labored. His first touch is horrible, man. I'm sorry. He's a, he's a good guy. He does work hard in games. Maybe maybe Alfie's right. Maybe sometimes he doesn't quite work hard enough. But the, his first touch and just ability to mesh with those around him is not there. And it does feel like going into the long term, and I, I don't wish to just hop and hop on and bully Eddie for the whole show because we just got a 4-0 win. We're not going to do that. But he doesn't really seem like he fits in all that wealth of this team. And you just get the sense that maybe he would do a bit better elsewhere where some of some more of the onus is on him to do something on his own and figure it out um, maybe for a Yeah, team I feel of- like it, it is a stylistic thing. Yeah, you know, because he's a good player, you know, but it just, this is a very possession-oriented, aesthetically pleasing 
tiki taka side and i just yeah i don't know if eddie and ketty he's he, for that. he i'm sorry he's not an arsenal striker in any era at all he, he just he, he isn't he's a i think he could score a lot of goals elsewhere but and you see ollie watkins score a hat trick at the weekend for example i think at a club like aston villa eddie and ketty could score a lot of goals and be the main man but he's he's not an arsenal striker can i give a, a canon concern I was just going to get into that. I yeah, let's touch, do it. I want to touch quickly on two things Rob said, uh, just real quick. Um, I, I love what you said about this is such a great team to support at the moment. And, um, you know, no matter what happens this season, it does just feel so good to have a, have one of the good guys. You know what I mean? We, we support one of the good guys, it feels like. And I feel like Martin Odegaard really typifies that. And speaking of Martin Odegaard, I feel like he almost deserves just as much praise for taking the ball away from Gabriel Jesus because I did not want to see him take a penalty. Alfie, can it concern? Yeah, to be fair, Jesus got one of one for Arsenal from the spot. So again, it was a poor penalty. Season. It was a poor penalty though. Nah, nah, <laughs> he knew, it into the he floor. knew Mes- Meslier would dive, so he went down the middle. Um, uh, Canon concern. Yeah, I thought some elements of our game weren't go- good. Uh, in this encounter, um, listen. We we ultimately like the output was good. We created the chances. We were ruthless. Uh, we didn't let them have any chances. But I think in certain phases we were just so sloppy. I felt like, like, oh, Daniel's going to the toilet. <laughs> um, particularly in the final third, but also deeper in. In the final third, I think it, uh, you looked at the field tilt and the field tilt bars, and we had one period at the start. No, it wasn't great, was it? Was no, one, it was very un-us. And I understand that there was probably a bit of a directive to allow Bournemouth a bit of the ball because, they, let's face it, talent-wise, they don't really, they can't really break down probably the second best defense in the league, which is us. Um, so you know, let them give it to us, and then we can play through them quite easily because. Their press, as I was talking about earlier, was a bit disjointed. Um, and they're very much in the early stages of the Iroiola era because I'm pretty sold on him as a coach, but I don't think it's it's working yet. But I think just, no, no Tyler Adams is is really hurting them. Exactly. And has he even settled or played for them properly yet? No, he's know. just come back from an injury that he arrived yeah. with, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think he will help them. But just felt like we were gifting them the ball at times. And then when we were trying to play out, although there were some really nice moves, I think a lot of the time it wasn't, it was too just disjointed for me. And I think Zinchenko without him, I think he, he probably deserved a good stuff because I thought some of the positions he was popping up in really helped us to play through the third. And I think he's so underrated. But I think yeah, that, was his, Rice, uh, that was his best performance of the season. Zinchenko, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think Rice was, um, Oh, and actually, this is this to the thing at Mac who went on about him after the Spurs game about the, the fact that he he might play one loose pass as an, in a game. Get over it. He is so so good, so so vital for us. How can you have such a fascination on the one time he might give the ball away or the one time he might get beaten? Like, there's no player, there's barely any players in world football that can do what he does. And he is so pivotal for us. And I'm tired of seeing people trying to replace him and our starting a lineup. 
Um, and yes, that's a dig at LT Arsenal, who seems to be obsessed with that idea. Um, yeah, back to what I was saying, though. Yeah, I just felt like I felt like Declan Rice kind of played in second gear in this game. I think he was obviously playing with a little bit of a knock. Um, I think he was quite conservative in possession, just helped to retain it, which, you know, there's some value in that. But I think he was really good on the defensive side, but on, in possession. I just felt like there were two longer periods at times where we were happy for them to have the ball. And I know, again, we were talking about how we are playing second gear, but it was just the sloppiness at times. And I felt like most of our good chances came later in the game when it became a bit more stretched. I think at times in the first half, we were actually overplaying a bit and just slopping the final third. And that was a bit of a canon concern for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm inclined to agree. I think... It's not I think it's only natural when you're 3-0 up that you're going to concede yeah. possession, though, at times. That's true. Yeah, That's true. yeah but, but I also mean, felt in at, in the first half we were quite sloppy at times before 3-0 up. I think the scoreline does maybe uh, – well, flatter maybe is the wrong word, but it's just like we just took our chances that were good chances really well. But you could see that, yeah, maybe it was if Bournemouth got a lucky goal or something on the day. It could have really complicated things for us. But, um, but we, we just scared the shit out of them every time we, we got did, near yeah. the box. They they were petrified of us. I haven't seen a team that scared. I mean, <laughs> second tackle from... Uh, who was it on on Odegaard? Uh, oh, it was. was it, it wasn't Lewis Cook, was it? It was someone... It might have been. It was a, it was a midfielder. Just unbelievably reckless. Like I was saying in our pre-pod call, it reminded me of Shaka on Son a few years back when he just absolutely just no regard, no sort of composure, just reckless dive in the box right through them. It was, yeah, it was pretty pathetic from them. I, I, that's funny. That one just made me laugh too because it was like, yes, Odegaard was like in shooting range sort of, but there was like a lot of defenders back. So it would have been really complicated for him to to put the ball in the back of the net, that sort of situation. So it was just very strange. And yeah, the guy just clearly lost his head. Um, and that Rob, does add to what I was saying about how we just sort of, like I can caveat my whole canon concern with the fact that we knew that they didn't possess the greatest array of talents, right? Um, talented players. And we just sort of allowed them to have the ball knowing they'd give it back to us because they just were bad on the defensive side and on the offensive side. Yeah, they just offered nothing going forward, really. Um, Rob, I'm going to go ahead with my can of concern just quickly, if that's cool with you. Um, again, folks, I'm sorry. It's Bukayo Saka. I feel like he's my can of concern a lot. Um, I feel like Mikel Arteta sort of looks at him like a machine. And while I do think he is kind of a machine, he is actually a human that does bleed red. And there's just scenarios, game states, where I think he should just come off the pitch because he's our most important player. And look, we're 3-0 up to Bournemouth. Why the hell is he staying on the pitch? I'm sorry. It doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you have options on the bench. Just take him off. I, I don't really understand the obsession with keeping him on. I mean, I think Arteta's really trying to hammer home this sort of, oh, the best players in the world play three games a week. But I just feel like when it's someone like Socket that gets the absolute snot beat out of him every single game, that you can take him off and you can rest him. Because now I think we're in a position really where 
against Lons, I don't want to see Bukayo Saka. And maybe if he came off in the 60th minute or so, we wouldn't really be having that discussion and we'd be comfortable with Saka playing another 60 minutes in the midweek. But I think this is sort of a weaker point of, of Mikel Arteta's uh, coaching. And I think that Saka has sort of just spoiled him rotten because he's always there and he just gets up after every single assault that's ever committed on him by a defender. So my kind of concern, I guess, yeah, just to, just to keep things short, because I know we're already at the 50-minute mark, is is that Saka is a human. <laughs> and that's that's a little scary, because he just brings so much to this team. I mean, we're, we're saying how he's having a, a, a slower start to the season, but his goal contributions already have been incredible. It looks like it's 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 going to probably be his best season. And an Arsenal shirt, you know, knock on wood so long as nothing horrible happens. But I just want to see Saka come off a bit more like I don't like seeing him limping and just unable to press uh, an attacker or a defender because he's hurt I don't want to see my my little boy Saka like that man I, I just don't I don't like it at all so yeah that's that's really it for my canon concern I guess I'm not I'm not sure there's anything else that could really even be added to that to be honest because I feel like everybody probably feels the same so Rob if you have anything to add to that feel free but um other than that go ahead with your canon concern yeah my uh my canon concern is actually along similar lines it is about Saka as well and it to be, to be honest for me it, it it's not playing him into the ground that uh, frustrates me so much. I, I've never been one of those who's like, oh my God, why are you starting Saka when it's, I don't know, like just like when, when, when he plays for England, for example, I'm not one of those people like, obviously it's a bit annoying and it increases the risk, but this is a professional footballer. He has to play when he's available. Um, I think it's more so just because the last two weeks he's just been absolutely battered in, in in both games Spurs he came off injured and against Bournemouth it, it didn't look great when he came off um, and then obviously over the international break we hear the speculation about um, sort of his Achilles issue that he's carrying I know that all footballers carry injuries but you know all this is it's not the the, the greatest cocktail of uh, injury news really um, yeah I, I just think uh I'm I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned about him picking up something a bit, bit more, bit more serious. Uh, obviously, uh, there's always the chance of injury, but when the squad is already as depleted as it is, which is a problem in itself, um, yeah, it's a concern for me. It's it's less of a concern than it was last season, actually, just because. I've been very uh, impressed with what I've seen from Fabio Vieira every time he's out there. I think. Not only has he matured into that left central midfield role, I think he looks like he can be sort of our Bernardo type guy on the right as well when, when we need him to do that job. Um, so, yeah, if Saka were to get injured, I think we're in a decent position to deal with it. But yeah, I'm just concerned that uh, I, it's just horrible seeing him come off the pitch battered. Uh, two weeks in a row um so yeah hopefully that that changes uh moving forward and he gets a good rest in the midweek yeah i think he deserves it yeah, Alfie, you were gonna say something yeah i think it's an interesting debate um I, I don't think it's as black and white as he's playing every minute like let's all panic i think um James McNicholas spoke about in his on the whistle video he was talking about how resilient he is and he gets he gets 
battered every single week as you guys have been saying but then we see him on the training pitch in the pictures like a day later he's in the pictures today um and he always seems to be fine so and i do agree with you daniel that i think arteta it it, it clearly feels like he's making a statement to him saying you know you've got to play through this all the top players play all these minutes and he's maybe he's taking it too far but on the other side we don't know about the sort sports science side of things we never know about that stuff the the medics and all the medical people at arsenal and the physios and all that they all have much better information than we do and i'm sure like we've seen them be careful with players like trossard for example got an injury in training maybe two years ago when we're so light on depth he 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 plays in the north london derby with an injury but we have the depth to say we're gonna we're gonna you know handle him more carefully and and wait for him and maybe you could say we don't have that depth with Saka so we have to take the risks but I think if the medics really felt like he can't play and he's got to be rested um, and we've got to protect him then I feel like Arteta would listen to that and we bring in as Rob was saying Vieira's look more comfortable there you could put Jesus there you could put Nelson there so I'm I'm less worried I think. Um, always, obviously, you've always got that sort of fear in you as a fan, you know. But I'm less worried because I trust that the club are making the right decisions, and I think I'll continue to until we see him actually get a serious injury and be overplayed. Yeah, I'm hoping you're right because there's really nothing to prove otherwise. Um, what's what's one promising thing is that it seems like all of the sort of injuries that Saka's been getting lately are not sort of like soft tissue. That's a, that's a word, uh, a phrase we've been hearing a lot lately. They're not soft tissue injuries. They're just impact ones. He's just getting the crap kicked out of him. So those aren't ones that will generally take you out for any period of time. They're just bruises, basically bruises and bumps. Um, but I don't know. This is just for me. It's a story that never ends well. You know, a, a young player playing every minute of every game despite getting the crap beat out of him all the time. And especially in that position, winger, one of what I think is one of the most thankless positions on the pitch, especially in a Mikel Arteta system. So I just want to see the situation monitored really closely because this is a guy that's already nearing best player of the Emirates era for me. And I just don't want to, I don't want to hurt him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, We've got scars from players like Wilshire and Ramsey. I was was literally about to say that. I mean, a knock on word as I say it, but... Arteta isn't wrong. The the really elite athletes, um, their best quality is their availability. Um, Saka is, uh, <laughs> I'm knocking on wood, as I say it, but he has shown remarkable durability um, as, a, as a professional footballer. Um, and... Some of these guys just just are able to play through it all. You know, obviously it does catch up with you eventually. We saw it with Wayne Rooney, for example. He perhaps declined as a footballer earlier than many thought he would have because of how much he played as a youngster. And maybe that will happen to Saka, but for the moment he's able to carry the load and that just might be who he is. And it's just another string in his bow that, that makes him such a special talent. Yeah, a lot of the elite, elite players are fine and they get kicks, but they just play every minute. You look at, I'm not putting him in, in this bracket, but you look at Ronaldo and Messi, always, always fit um, pretty much in their career. Um, you know, you look at one of the 
Jude Bellingham, for example, is playing every minute for Real Madrid. Um, and he's an elite talent. And, and has since he, um, not, not for Madrid, but he's basically been playing elite football every week since he was 15. So th- this this can happen. Hopefully so. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm just scared because I care about him. So it's completely reasonable and it says something that was my concern as well because it's usually yeah. something that I sweep under the rug. Uh, the last few weeks haven't been good. Um, but hopefully it's just something that he can play through. We've got another international break coming up soon. Uh, get him through this week, get him fit to play Man City and uh, we're all laughing. Yeah, But I do agree. I, I didn't have him in my preview team for Lons. Yeah, I, I, for me, I think it's just... I think that's going to be a trickier game than a lot of us want to admit because they are going to be up for it, man. It's one of the best teams in the world. State Cup final. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, and and it's it's under the lights and the world will be watching loans, which which just sounds so funny to say, but I mean that's yeah, that's that's the that's a reality of how big the occasion is for them. So, it'll be it'll be a dicey one and it's really not one that I want to see Saka playing in. It's definitely one that I want to see Ramsdale in because you know he would just absolutely love playing in front of those um, French bastards, as Rob so kindly called them in the last Extra Get It podcast. Um, let's quickly get into our explosive moment. I think for me it's pretty obvious. I think it's got to be. It's got to be universal, surely. It's got to be the Kai Havertz goal, surely. Right? I mean, maybe you could even argue that it's the the cheer of when Kai Havertz was given the ball, because that really just. Or when Samanamana kicked so it kicked in waka waka you know that i have to ask you a question at the end of every episode alfie we're not quite there yet but i mean we we all know i think it'll be the easiest answer the easiest one apart from when uh the angel was first released that was also pretty easy but uh this one is also very easy and probably tequila as well when we last played bournemouth so then we're all in a grant i guess then easiest explosive moment ever that it's the kai havertz penalty right yeah, well, moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, by the way, just just on that, uh, Rob, I'll come to you. How good is it to see like a diverse sort of group of penalty takers? That's three different penalty takers we've had. Yeah, it's nice. And uh, obviously, there's been a lot of um, talk about uh, Havertz being given the penalty, the, the sort of make, make a wish sort of claim that you alluded to earlier, Danny and. Um, I think that idiot who speaks on ESPN, Steve Nichol, said it was like unprofessional. Um, this is a guy who's scored 17 out of 18 penalties in his career. He's a fantastic penalty taker. He's probably um, our best. It's he, statistically, he's, he's our best. He's right up there as an option to take penalties for us, especially considering we know Saka uh, can miss a penalty here and there. Uh, it's interesting, really interesting, that he's only been taking the ones at home. He hasn't taken one away from home yet. Uh, wonder if there's any sort of pattern there. thought Erdegaard just dispatched his penalty excellently, but Havertz just sat the keeper down, sort of Jorginho-esque, but less of a hop and skip. Uh, and yeah, great I feel penalty. like it's something Man City's teams have had quite a lot that they rotate penalty takers. I so, mean, City like, have always had problems. Well, yeah, but I think they've always had problems finding uh, consistent penalty goals. Uh, I just Mar- remember that their best seasons, like it was always Mares and penalty score sheet. Yeah, but like Haaland's already missed one this season as well, though. Like. I think we've got three really good penalty takers there. Uh, and as you know, Jesus would, would always be up for taking one. Martinelli scored penalties as well. 
we've got a really diverse set of penalty takers, as you say, oh, Danny, and, and that can only be a good thing. You've got one of the best penalty takers in the world on the bench in Jorginho. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, this this group is oddly good at, at penalties, which uh, years years past, it, it felt like, you know, uh, in the Aubameyang and Lacazette days in particular, Lacazette was way better at penalties than Aubameyang, obviously, but it just felt like we didn't really have one. You know what I mean? Whereas now, now we have a plethora of them, which is nothing but a good thing considering the amount of penalties we're getting this season. And I think that's just, I think that's just uh, a symptom of the way we're playing. You get players doing the thing that Eddie does where he just kind of gets the ball and drives into the box a bit more. And I, I think basically the more you have the ball in the box, the more penalties you're going to get. Also Declan Rice probably helps out a bit because he's getting all buddy, buddy with the referees and whatnot. So what about Declan Rice taking corners, by the way? That was a bit weird. Well, most of them were short. So weird. Um, <laughs> he's like six foot two. <laughs> like, the thing is, like, <laughs> yeah, but he's not even going to combine in that area. Like, if you're going short, the commentators were like slagging off those corners. But I was like, this is what I was doing in the Everton game, and then we scored from one. Like, there's clearly a plan there. So, so it feels like criticizing it. Maybe the execution wasn't good, but there's clearly been a thought out plan. Um, yeah, there is a plan here, clearly. Defend set pieces, really. Mind you, a lovely header from Ben White for, for his goal. Yeah, he scored off another set piece. It's, it was it was beautiful. And I, I just want to say, I mean, four different goal scorers, four quite strapping lads put the ball into the back of the net, if I may say what? so myself, lads. I mean, That's, come on. There's, there's no Bingo. need for that. There's That's no Daniel need Bingo. for that. <laughs> I was, just gonna the ask, cast, I was be, just gonna yeah. ask I was just gonna ask Rob how it feels to to see his kind of, of handsome people succeeding because I know you guys have such a hard life, don't you? Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. <laughs> All right, the show's gone off the rails, folks. Um Should we just do uh team versus lawns? Because I, I think would, it's quite yeah. interesting. I think that's Let a good Let me just read you yeah. my team. Sure. Uh that I put on my Instagram page. So I had Ramsdale. I so I switched. I think Tommy Asu and Kivior deserve to start. I, th- I don't think Lons are good. I know what you're saying about Cup uh, being their Cup final and that, but I think we can make a few changes and think about City. I think yes. Tommy Asu and Kivior both warranted starts um, based on their performance last week against Brentford. I think we can trust them, uh, and I've got both of them in the natural positions because White and Gabriel played that game against uh, Brentford, I was thinking Saliba and Zinchenko play this game and it sort of is a, is a smart natural rotation, if you know what I mean, in terms of sharing minutes. So I had Tomiyasu, Saliba, Kivior, Zinchenko. And I think Saliba and Zinchenko are the two out of the back four that really are the most important in terms of ball progression, so you're not losing much. And then maybe Zinchenko comes off early for White and Tomiyasu goes to left back, but that's why I had. Then I had Rice, Odegaard, Vieira, um, and I think Havertz played three games in a week, basically. So rest him. I, I want him to start against City. And then I had Trossard, Jesus, Nelson. Hopefully Tr- Trossard's fit enough to play. But yeah, just rest Saka. But you've still got the core, you know, Saliba, Rice, Odegaard, Jesus. But then you've got a sprinkling of squad players around that. I think that's how I'd go for it. I, I think that's what, you, that's what you need. That You need that core there. I actually think that Ben White might play this match. and. 
Tommy Asu might start against. I feel like he's looked a little bit tired. Yeah, and, and this this is why I, like I think this. No. I think that Tommy Asu might, and I know we did this last season and it sort of backfired, but I think Tommy might start against City just because Doku. That shout, yeah. Doku running at him. We've seen that Ben White has been struggling with these very fast wingers. I mean, it's the sort of thing that I can see Arteta overlooking just because he has so much faith faith in Ben White and all of his players and he wouldn't want to sort of mark this one out or something. But yeah, and even then, Tommy isn't the sort of 1v1 beast that he used to be. But I, I, I think I would probably feel more comfortable with him there with, with Doku in the form that, that he's been in. I think, uh, Alfie, did you have Ramsdale between the sticks, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Um I think I'm inclined to fully agree with your lineup then, man. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, Rob, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think White's got to play against City because I really have PTSD with Tomiyasu playing against them after that horrible giveaway. And I just think that it's not that White wouldn't do something like that, but I feel like it's more likely that Tomiyasu does. Um, and while I think I, don't, I, I think I think Tommy Asu is in a, in a good vein of form at the moment, much more confident. Whereas when he came in against City, it was a bit out of the blue, and he was job, yeah. just he was still yeah. carrying an injury, basically. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, but also, also then again, too with City, and I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and and disrespect Lons or anything because again, I, I I am sticking to that. I don't think that's going to be an easy game. Um, I think we could take it to City this time this weekend, guys. I really do. I mean, I'm just excited to play them. Finally, the roles are reversed that we might yes. have our strongest or one of our strongest teams, and they actually are a bit depleted with Rodri and De Bruyne out. And, yeah, and even, look, even actually, even Thomas Partey is back in full training now as well. Look, I mean, uh, we got a lot of shit for quote unquote bottling the Premier League last season. But now that City have two injuries to key players, they have lost two games on the bounce. They're knocked out of the Carabao Cup, and they just lost to freaking Wolves. I mean, like, it's 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 so obvious that they had so much luck with injuries last season. They just didn't have injuries, you know? Yeah, and, and title-winning teams tend to have that. Exactly. That's just the reality. So, I mean, yeah, look, I, I think we, we'll talk about this after the, after the Lons Extra Cannon podcast, but... I think this is the best chance to beat City that we've we've had in a while, and this could really blow the table. Um, really, uh, it, it could just blow the table open, and I think it would just be so good for this team psychologically to beat that City side. But um, here and now, it's all about loans. Um, Alfie, it would just be great if we could get off to, to two wins on the bounce and then pretty much just have a stress-free uh, Champions League group stage. Yep, bring it on. Bring it lawns, dare I say. Um, I think that's it, folks. It's, it's been a good that's not, that's not going to be the title, by the way, people. We've had too <laughs> many cringy titles lately. That has not been <laughs> the title I've ever done. <laughs> Dude, that, <laughs> that was, was terrible. <laughs> What's a good one for this one? I was trying to... Bournemouth burned. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Burnedmouth. What, what have you done? I can't believe you've done this. Um, okay. Let's draw this bad boy to a close. I'll NLD come. draws. Uh, draws. Dreadful gross. title. I can see you calling <laughs> this one like High Havertz or something. Oh, High on the Havertz. Yes, Rice sir. embraced. That was actually Max, so don't come for me. Come 12 for my man wig there. palace pipped. 
good. Don't worry. Me, me, Alfie and I will be working on this, folks. <laughs> they love them. That's a, uh, no, actually, they don't because they're not leaving reviews. So actually, I don't know how they feel about I, it. I had the best ones. All of the transfers all of the time. That was me. I like just quick, snappy one or two words, man. I'm a punchy lad, you know? And it's over. Albert in the mud, Rick. That was class. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Daniel Finzen-esque, that is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Alfie. What's Alfie I like stress in that font. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Was very edgy. Anyway, Alfie, we need a song. Enough, enough of that. No, 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 no. First, we need marketing opportunity of your lifetime. We love you also to Cody K. Go check out the articles, man. They're fucking sick. Got great writers. And we love you also on TikTok. Yeah, and, if, and as, as long and as the, the as long as TikToks aren't taken down. Alfie's got a preview coming out as well. I'll plug that on We oh. Love Your Arsenal, right? That is happening. What for? Lons. For Lons? Yeah. What on TikTok? Oh, is it on TikTok or website? No, I, no, I did the preview for the Instagram. All right. All right, we'll see. But yeah, I am doing an article I think tomorrow. Yeah. Class. So is that all you had, Rob? You don't want to plug something else? Um. I suppose if you want to find out about Lons, you can go back to that article of mine on wearsenal.co.uk from a few weeks ago. It's pretty pretty evergreen, or not evergreen, but ever a few weeks, uh, because whilst we're in the Champions, same Champions League group, uh, all that information is relevant. So yeah, if you want to find out a bit bit about Lons, go to the bottom of that article and you'll get a summary of all their sort of state of affairs for the start of the season. Yeah. yeah and that song, the song has got to be the uh, Uganda Arsenal tribute. What for this episode? No man. Yeah. We made a decision. We're doing walk a walk. I'm sorry. Oh, it's not that, Alfie. That is pathetic for me. I just <laughs> want it to be that. Yeah, well, it can't week. be that. It can't be that. We will make a promise at some other Lundberg, time. Lundberg Perez. If we we'll beat, talk. If, if we beat City, oh, you can have that, all right? But this has okay. got to be Sammy Nani now. Eh, eh, waka, waka. No eh, doubt. Eh. Okay, fine, fine. I mean, seriously. All right, folks, leave a review. That's my, that's my, I was going to say spotlight. That's my marketing opportunity of a lifetime. Is all of you out there that never leave reviews on this show, you should be damn ashamed of yourself. It's embarrassing. Um, leave a review, share with your cool uncles. We'll see you in the middle of the week. Bye. Goodbye. Choosing your battle Pick yourself up and dust yourself off And back in the saddle You're on the front line Everyone's watching You know it's serious, we're getting closer This isn't over The pressure's off You feel it But you got it all Believe it When you fall, get up, oh, oh And if you fall, get up, eh, eh Cause this is Africa Time for Africa. Listen to your God, this is our motto. Your time to shine, don't wait in line. If I'm Your moment, no hesitation.
time for Africa. Samina, Samina.